welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today's unprecedented access to a global workforce has increasingly led both companies and employees to opt for temporary projects often located remotely. Employees enjoy the freedom of having autonomy over the direction of their careers, while employers can now find the exact puzzle piece that solves their company's problem. In short, the gig economy. Peter C. Evans, managing partner from Platform Strategies Institute, joins the podcast to share the global trend that he has witnessed and what that may mean for the immigrant workforce. Will work visas be necessary in the future? This and more, up next. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today we have Peter C. Evans, Managing Partner at Platform Strategy Institute in Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, Peter. How are you doing? I'm great today. Good to talk with you. Great, great. Thank you for coming on. So today's conversation will circle around the gig economy and why is it important and how this relatively recent economic trend is creating a new employment landscape for both companies and employees. Um, but before we get there, tell us a little bit about Platform Strategy Institute and the, the role that you play there. Great. Fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity. So I've been working in the, the area of corporate foresight for a number of years and in the process have found that this whole space of platforms is very important and interesting from a strategic perspective. Um, I've had a number of roles in large companies like General Electric and most recently at KPMG and the innovation group there. I was a, a partner. And uh, recently, um, I've teamed up with two of the leading platform scholars in the world, Jeff Parker and Marshall Van Olstein, mm. to launch the Platform Strategy Institute. Got it. Got it. And so in your experience, what's sort of the trends that you've been seeing lately? Yeah, so so let's step back a little bit and and uh, survey the landscape. Um, you know, obviously one big trend is is digitization. Many companies now are pursuing digital transformation strategies, and uh, this is happening in the context of changing business models. So um, I think everybody is familiar with uh, Google and Amazon, um, even Apple. You know, with the App Store is considered a platform. Right, These are companies that have um, successfully adopted platform business models and um, have become very influential. In fact, when you look at um, the size and scale of platforms, they've become a global force. If you tally the top 75 platforms, they have a collective market cap of over $7 trillion. So they're very mm. impactful in how uh, many services are rendered today. Right. Definitely. So is this trend localized to Atlanta or you see this as a more nationwide trend? Well, it's not only uh, nationwide and local, it's also global. Mm, And that's a really interesting dimension, particularly when we bring in the implications for work. What's interesting is is that um, obviously companies hire and have in-house software developers, but they also leverage external third-party software developers. And that is enabled by the, the fact that uh, we now live in a much more integrated, connected information economy. And you can obviously tap into 
you know, regional or local third-party software developers, but you can also tap into uh, developers that are located elsewhere around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, They may be in places like Croatia, Romania. There are big developer, software developer, uh, obviously in India, in Philippines, but even in Latin America, um, Argentina, for example. Right. What's happening is, and this is interesting, is it's not just the platform companies like the Googles and the Microsofts that are out there using third parties, but there are now developing platforms just dedicated to optimizing transactions or work. That is the matching of client demand for software developers uh, through platforms. And there are a bunch of them that have popped up. One of the biggest is Upwork, which uh, Mm -hmm. has now become a publicly traded company. Um, It does broad, you know, lots of freelance activities are available. They do more than a billion transactions. There are more than, I think, 14 million freelancers that have now signed up. And there are millions of companies that tap into that platform. What we do here, we focus on immigration. And there's a, a trend that is moving more towards temporary work, which has been coined the, the gig economy. Instead of working full-time positions, uh, companies are hiring talent on a temporary time frame. Here at Ericsson Immigration Group, most of our employees, they're going through the H-1B process or in the process of getting a green card, but you've seen a, a slowly but surely a transition into more temporary project to project based work. And I'm just curious, how would that impact immigration? Sure. Well, let let me give you some kind of the the trends and the statistics. Um, Mm -hmm. Today, there are about 24 million professional software developers globally. By 2025, that number is expected to grow to around 29 million. So we're going to see a growth of 5 million software developers, and that's driven largely by this huge demand that's happening. The question, of course, is how do companies tap into those uh, workers? So uh, what's interesting, um, there's a company, IDC, which um, has just put out a forecast looking at trends in the IT space, they project that 60% of the global 2000, so those are the 2000 largest companies, will have developer, digital developer ecosystems with thousands Mm. of developers. And half of these enterprises will drive at least 20% of their digital revenue through their digital ecosystem. So what we're seeing is, is that to be successful, companies are needing to build these uh, software developer systems. Mm -hmm. Today, there are 24 million software developers globally. Uh, By 2025, the estimates are that there will be about 29 million um, around the world. Companies um, are increasingly needing digital developer ecosystems to be successful. Right. Right. By 2023, it's estimated that 60% of the global 2000, that is the 2000 uh, largest companies in the world, will have digital developer ecosystems with thousands of developers. And half of these enterprises will drive at least 20% of their digital revenue through their digital ecosystems. So this Mm -hmm. is including supply chain, B2B, marketplaces. Uh, An interesting example is uh, Toyota. 
forklift. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Toyota produces a lot of forklifts. Um, mm-hmm. They have just created a B2B marketplace for secondary parts for forklifts. So these would be obviously parts supplied by Toyota for maintenance on these forklifts, but it also would include third party. It's a new marketplace. All the software that is needed to run and operate that needed to be developed. Question is, is where do companies turn to tap into that? And um, we're finding that because this is transmitted over the internet, you know, the work can be done anywhere in the world. And so we're now right. seeing the emergence of of these freelance platforms that basically tap into a global marketplace. So mm-hmm. your original question was around immigration. What's interesting is, is what companies think is essential to have on-prem at their headquarters mm-hmm. or at their engineering center? And clearly right. you have to have people there, right? Right. Um, because they're close to executives or they're working on, partic- you know, they're part of the R&D center, Um, And so they need to be close to the engineers working on a physical product. But a lot of these people can be anywhere in the world. Surveys have shown that some of the better software developers are not actually in the United States. Um, Some other countries score quite highly. So if you want to get the best and brightest, you know, you want to tap into this global marketplace. What I thought was pretty interesting was the machine learning competition, uh, the cat is a Kaggle. So there's a variety of ways that companies tap into these marketplaces, right? Right. So some of them is to find permanent employees. So you may go to a platform to help you uh, in your recruiting efforts. So that's one way. And there, you know, it depends on the location. You may actually set up and companies do this, right? They may have a um, your software developer engineering center in Romania, but you use a platform to identify folks to bring into that center. So that would be a remote, but a direct employee. But companies mm-hmm. also need to find short-term or specific project-based uh, talent. Right. So right. you can tap into uh, platforms. There's a, there are a number of them that specialize in these areas. So, so I just, uh, for listeners who I'm not sure what we're speaking about. Let's say Google, they have a project or they're stuck at a crossroads with some sort of coding difficulty. They will send out globally a competition. Whichever team out in the world can figure out this coding problem will get a reward, a cash prize, you know, even up into the millions, right? Isn't that well, case? I would, yeah, that's yeah. a kind of a specialized case. That would be like mm-hmm. a third category. So, as I mentioned, right. you can have direct employees in the recruiting, you can have project base. And then a, a third category would be um, kind of special crowdsourcing. Um, and one that become mm-hmm. popular are uh, prize based uh, solicitations. So, yeah, I just thought that was so interesting <laughs> that they'll have like a first place, second place and third place uh, to figure out like the new Amazon code. And it'll be like a team from Indonesia or somewhere in India, that four to five group team uh, to tackle those issues. Amazon will actually have that project one completed and two, it looks good for that software engineering team. They can put on their resume saying, yes, we solved the coding issue at Amazon and won the first place prize. Yeah. So um, you may be familiar with the company Zillow. They are the ones that um, you can open your app and you can see what 
trending price of your home is. So Uh um, they put out a lot of data, had a competition. It was quite large. I mean, I think the prize money was over a million dollars to come up with a better algorithm to determine what the price of the home, more accurately determine the price of a home. Right. Correct. And it is whoever got closest to that price level would win. Yes, yeah, that, I just exactly. So that, that, that prize has been uh, already awarded. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, it's an ongoing process. And, and the, the interesting thing is, is that it's not limited to a particular geography, right? Um, these mm-hmm. prizes are eligible for teams all over the world. Some have been worn by teams in Singapore, others in uh, Indonesia and in, in Eastern Europe. Even Africa, um, mm-hmm. you know, most people don't think of Africa as, as a hotbed for coding, but um, Africa's got a young population. Africa is now wired. Uh, there are subsea cables that now mm-hmm. um, go to Africa. And so there's no latency issues. You know, you can transmit large volumes of data. It's become seen as a pretty interesting potential source of, of new coding talent. Yeah. Yeah. I've been hearing about that too. Like, uh, especially Nigeria, Nigeria is really big in that they have coding schools basically. So they're starting them early. They would do projects in Belgium or UK. So they're tapping into the the European markets and they're starting a tech hub because now the technology has become global, right? So everybody has access globally. So yeah, well, you know, I nice think it's see. the combination of, of the demand, the need, right? The increasingly mm-hmm. with the uh, internet of things, also with AI and automation, all of this needs a tremendous amount of software development. Um, mm-hmm. And the platforms now are emerging to be able to tap into these uh, global sources of talent. Traditionally, when a company was seeking to grow its its market, it was pretty much limited to geographic proximity in terms of its right. workers. That model is really being uh, disrupted now, um, right. and it's a global marketplace. So that, I think, going back to our immigration mm-hmm. question, raises some interesting questions about... Um, right. Is it necessary to move proximate to the company or you can do remote? You know, most people think of remote being at your home, but in reality, remote now can be anywhere in the world, especially if the product can be transmitted over the Internet. Right. And that is where the discussion lies. You can see pros and cons to it. So I live in Nigeria. If I get a uh, U.S. based project, maybe I do want to stay in Nigeria because, hey, I'm getting paid U.S. money. It's going to take me a lot further, you know, in Nigeria than it would in the U.S. But on the flip side, if I, you know, work for this company for three to four years and hopefully get citizenship, being an American citizen in itself is incentive enough. Well, it, it, it certainly opens up new opportunities and in, in, in choices. I think in the past, right. there wasn't a choice. Yeah, more right. options, right? right. Yeah, in the past, options. there wasn't a choice. You, oh. If you're going to move into that kind of particular uh, job role, uh, you really needed to move to the United States, but not, not any longer. What's also interesting are the peripheral services. So um, mm. all the training that's needed, right? And also when you when these companies, as I mentioned, uh, companies increasingly need these digital ecosystems. How do you create stickiness? How do you create community? How do you create mm. the, the sense of belonging and ensuring that you haven't trained a, a, a coder 
uh, and a software developer who then leaves and joins uh, another ecosystem. You know, a couple of years ago, Apple actually had to uh, increase the amount that it shared with uh, the developers uh, for apps. Right. That was because of pressure uh, in terms of competition from others. So some of it's monetary, but other parts of it are non-monetary, right? Right. Um, And so there's some really important strategic decisions that developers have to make in terms of how do they pursue a successful career. But what is really interesting and becoming increasingly true is that the opportunities are growing and the ability to sell your services from many different places in the world are increasingly becoming an option. But that also means that if you're a U.S. developer, you're not just competing with your colleagues in the United States. You're basically competing in a global marketplace. Yeah, global competition. Yeah, Yeah, so it's global competition. So as I mentioned, they expect 29 million software developers uh, globally by 2025. The biggest developer communities are now in in China and India, and those are huge populations, a billion, and they're very large economies now. Um, I think Mm -hmm. the U.S. is for sure the top demand side of the freelance market. Um, What's really interesting is is that a lot of freelance work was really done by small and medium-sized enterprises, right? This was a way to get cheaper access to talent for a variety of things that small companies needed, like logo design or accounting uh, services and, and things of that nature. But big companies now have gotten onto this, and they're now building the capability to tap into these freelance uh, marketplaces, um, mm-hmm. both to create flexibility for their workforce. You have your dedicated uh, permanent staff. But then you have these contingent workers. And then your third tier is kind of your freelance workers. Um, And um, so HR departments and others are now having to build competencies and thinking about. The the question on the flip side is, you know, between the independent contractors uh, versus the full-time employees, full-time employees, they they have a health care, worker compensation, access to unions. Uh, and just overall employment protections. When you're uh, a freelance worker, you usually work without those sort of amenities. Yes, you do have autonomy over your work and you just have more options and be able to select what you want to do, but it comes at uh, a higher risk of, in terms of security. Well, there, that's, yeah. that's one dimension and that's gotten um, a lot of attention. The other one is is interesting as well, is um, as you build up experience, um, you go into the workforce and, and, and companies hire you for a specific job role, but you actually may have more capabilities. I mean, this happened to me. Right. I had um, you know, 15 years of experience in the energy practice. I changed jobs and I didn't, they didn't use any of that skill set. So it kind of limited my ability to maximize um, my value in the marketplace. Whereas if I was in a pure freelance and I optimized um, various freelance opportunities, I may have been able to um, monetize that 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 skill and experience more effectively. Absolutely. Gig Economy 101. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we're launching a a multi-client study called... uh, Platform Talent 2020, 
what we're looking at is, is what skills does a company need to be able to effectively manage their platform? Those companies that are building e-commerce sites, for example, what kind of workers do they need um, and what kind of training and skills do they need to be effective in actually uh, running platform strategy or platform products? Companies are moving in that direction, so they need the talent to be able to do that. And that itself will pose some interesting uh, immigration issues because it's scarce talent. Um, and so obviously companies are looking not just proximate to their company, but uh, globally for this talent. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today, we talk about the trend happening in the... Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. I'm going to pass that here. 